Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, I tell you who the Vikings will acquire at the trade deadline. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. And unlike the Vikings, I successfully got my shoes on today. (laughs) This is Arif Hassan from the Wide Left Substack. Life is a movie. Unfortunately, you don't know the genre. And Ron Johnson makes his Thursday appearance as well on today's Minnesota football party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. What is up, everybody? It's the Minnesota football party on Locked on Sports Minnesota and the Locked on Vikings podcast feed. We welcome you in to today's program where we get our final reactions into Vikings 49ers and preview the border battle. Vikings Packers Sunday at noon. He's Luke Braun. He's Arifa son. Ron Johnson joins the show in progress. So we talk Vikings for the next 45 minutes. Really excited to get to today's show. Vikings on their first winning streak of the season. Um, I'm also going to suggest the Vikings buy at the deadline. I'm going to give you a name. And we'll see if Arif and Luke uh, have names as well, or just want to shoot down my name, which is more likely. And of course, it's our week eight parlays. I'm triggering my parlay advantage this week. We'll explain what that means if you're not familiar (laughs) later in the show. You thought I would forget, Arif. This is my final week. I I did. I'm the one who reminded you. You did not. Yeah. Last week, I I was like, I proactively used it last like last week. You're not in my brain. Get out of my brain, Arif. You don't know what I'm thinking day to day. I think about it every single day, in fact. I give it way too much thought. This Thursday episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. We did our show Monday. We previewed the Vikings 49ers game. We haven't had a chance to react to it. Luke, you've obviously talked about it at length on your show, Locked on Vikings. Go find that on the everydayers who listen to that. It's probably Bukowski also crossover day. It's crossover day with Peter Bukowski, who oh, has yeah. become a, a heel on this network, and we'll have to get him on the air soon. But uh, Luke Braun, what, what was your big picture take on Vikings 49ers from your show? I think there's a little bit from everybody and, and that's kind of what it took. It's it felt like watching a playoff game in that two teams played really well and brought everything they, they had. We had trick plays going on. We had, you know, uh, crazy adjustments on in the trenches in terms of like who slanted where and how teams like responded to that. And the chess game was really cool. It was a very fun game to break down. Obviously a lot more fun because the Vikings won. It's kind of how it goes. Uh, but in particular, like the detail from Jordan Addison that kind of helped him have the game that he had, um, even on, you know, the, the big long touchdown, which is a little bit just, you know, playmaker, make a play, um, just, you know, leaning the stem of that post out just a little bit outside so that he can get the corner's hips turned and really punish that bizarre zero call that the 49ers fans are all mad about, um, just little tiny details. Oh, who they're mad like at that. changes, which is the best part. Yes, there's a it's a thing that they're going through, and I'm very glad that that's not 
our thing. <laughs> We're very, not having that kind very of common thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, completely insane Darasaw game. One on one on an island with Nick Bosa a lot and winning crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. You could you could go on and kind of just go through a whole bunch of players and be like, this guy did something really cool. This guy did something really cool. Like we had we had the best game of Dean Lowry's season. Like it was everybody. Uh, most impressive part to me related to the protection, but was Kirk Cousins under pressure, still yeah, faced sure. sixteen pressures, and just posed a casual fourteen of sixteen for two twenty and a tutty against pressure and that makes him you guys the number one passer rating quarterback under pressure this season and not by a small margin either passer rating 108 under pressure not bad not, not bad. bad isn't it crazy when like variance goes in a positive direction for the vikings this season <laughs> that's nuts good things happen arif what was your most impressive takeaway or the most impressive thing you saw in uh, monday's game well, the most impressive individual thing I saw was Jordan Addison wrestling away an interception to craft a 60-yard touchdown. Um, yeah. Individually, that was great. So, like, it, it is kind of like a karmic balancing sort of thing, right? Because Cousins threw a good ball on the interception to Jordan Addison and threw a bad ball on the touchdown to Jordan Addison, right? And, uh, and, and, and Addison not being able to... I don't know, out physical Traverius Ward to the catch point on that slant early on was I, I initially thought it was a bad ball from Cousins, you know, watching the replay. But I think that that is where you want that ball to go in order to maximize the amount of yardage you're going to get on a play like that. And mm -hmm. you just need the receiver to to win. Right. And because he's already in a good position. And so Ward coming in from behind to grab that interception. I mean, that sucks. That's on Addison. Uh, but the 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 underthrow or the late throw from Cousins on that zero blitz, right? Which is a difficult one to explain because he actually had space and time. Um, Addison wrestles that away. And the thing is, on a contested catch, the odds of getting like good yards after the catch, generally speaking, are pretty low, right? Because now everyone's converging on the ball while you're wasting time trying to get the ball, right? But because it's a zero call, there's nobody up top. Right. People have to turn around to get to you. So he gets the ball out in time, runs down the field. Phenomenal. Individually, that was the most impressive mm -hmm. thing. Collectively or holistically over the course of the whole game, Cousins was the most impressive thing to me. I thought that he did phenomenally. Right. I think that there were like, what, like three mistakes basically that he made all game. Um, and, you know, I think like two of them were basically on the same drive in terms of not getting that touchdown in. Um, but, you know, he did an incredible job finding the right person, um, throwing off platform, throwing on platform, getting stuff out on time, being accurate, figuring out where players are going to be when he couldn't see them. It was nuts. Right. And the thing that, you know, we've been and especially me have been begging cousins for um, for most of his career that seemed to have been present last season that I didn't know would appear this season is his ability to improvise. And he improvised in this game and i think a lot of quarterback improvisation looks like lamar jackson right that's the that's the thing that we think of when we think of it but like a lot of creativity comes from players like matthew stafford right who know when to adjust their looks know when to adjust their reads know when to adjust their timing after the snap change their arm angle stuff like that outside of the confines of the structure of the play we saw that from cousins today in a really really huge way and if you can combine really good timing, really good accuracy with 
appropriate improvisation, you've got a really high level quarterback waiting for you. And that's why the Vikings are three and four. They won 22 to 17 back to the Addison point. He's having a pretty phenomenal rookie year. He's now up to 400 yards and 29 catches and six touchdowns nose for the end zone. And most of those touchdowns are lengthy too. These aren't Adam Thielen touchdowns where he, you know, wiggles through like on a crosser for a two yard TD. And he was very good at that. Um, but the Jordan Addison rookie campaign is like Big putting place. itself on the Mount Rushmore of Vikings rookie receiver campaigns. And I'm curious, it's not Moss, it's not Jefferson. How does it stack up with Diggs rookie year? At this point, who would you would you take rookie Diggs or rookie Addison, Braun? So, so yeah. before or, or, Yeah, the issue here is that most of Addison's games are with him appearing as a wide receiver two to a very obvious wide receiver one. That wasn't the case with Diggs in 2015 when he took over for, was it Charles Johnson? Or yeah, Charles, it was like Charles, Charles Johnson, Johnson and Adam Thielen hadn't really broken out yet. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Diggs just became the guy in the same way that Jefferson became the guy and Randy Moss became the guy. And Addison just can't become the guy when Justin Jefferson is on yeah. the field. Like, And so it's really difficult to to make that comparison. This is, and and, you know, obviously the last two games he's played without Jefferson, but without those two games, and they're a big part of the evaluation, um, this is one of the best wide receiver two rookie seasons of uh, that, that we've seen. So it's because it, you're comparing him to some of these great rookie receivers. Puka Nakua, of course, obviously is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year if he gets anything approximating this pace going forward. Tank Dell's having a wonderful season. Zay Flowers is having a great season. A lot of great rookie receivers right now having really good rookie seasons, and they're wide receiver one. Up there in yardage, is Addison, who has been wide receiver one for two games. Uh, and I don't even know if you could say, you know, two games ago he was wide receiver one, right? Because it's like a, it's like Hawkinson, right? Like you're, you're doing yeah, some yeah. complimentary stuff. So uh, as a complimentary... And he has a goose egg in there, by the way. Right, yeah. As a complimentary receiver, he's having a really good... So I would take Diggs this season, I guess. But it is just a really difficult comparison because they're being asked to do different stuff. And there's target share issues in in approximating this but it is difficult to find like this is the last wide receiver two who did something like this like Anquan Bolden is, is maybe the close but it's like it's difficult to find stuff like this do you think there was a moment in the media I I was too young to be super aware of this back in 1998 where people were debating like wait is there any Moss wide receiver one is that possible <laughs> I mean, is he Jake like Reed wide receiver three, like that. Like going into that season, everybody probably like Chris Carter was probably going higher in everybody's fantasy drafts, right? Yeah, if fantasy One was a think. thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, so like off, like off the bat, yeah. But I, my impression, I was also quite young when this happened. My impression was that Moss did like Moss turned the conversation around in like a game and a half. Right. Like it didn't take long. For yeah. You to OK. Yeah, that's it was. It. Yeah, it was Monday night was when like national people were like, oh, my God, this guy with a Monday night Packers game, which, you know, Monday night football. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Against the reigning NFC. Oh, no. The 49ers didn't win the NFC. They just yeah, no. They just will this year. <laughs> They're just on that. Path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they have a um, quarterback. 
But in both, but in Stand both cases, reigning NFC champions, right? Or no, yeah, Niners did. Right, you're right. Yeah, Niners. Yeah. I, I had the exact same and, like thought NFC championship wrong. participants. Yes, I agree. Yes, divisional champions. Um, I do have the numbers <laughs> through seven Finalist. games. Stefan yeah. Diggs, <laughs> thirty-six receptions, five seventy-three in yardage, two touchdowns. Addison, twenty-nine receptions, four hundred yards, six touchdowns. Probably important. A little bit that we don't get enamored and and treat the touchdowns as predictive because I think that gets you like it got we got in trouble sure. with Cordero Patterson a little bit right where like he had so many explosive touchdowns that we kind oh, of did. overlooked some of the other stuff and Christian Watson last year we got totally or maybe not we well, but some did. people <laughs> got totally enamored by Christian Watson that they picked him up in their I've got a clean record so far draft. Drop some more names. I'm still right. <laughs> um, that's all I got. But I I think that there's a certainly a sustainability element to what he's doing because he does make tough catches. He does run great routes. He does have great speed and seems to have a really good understanding of how to get open in today's NFL. Uh, and he's not freelancing like cp3 was c no cp84 now he's not chris paul he's chris paul um <laughs> i think i take digs i mean i take digs for his toughness for his tracking ability downfield i think was still better i mean you want to talk about a contested catch receiver Diggs was phenomenal oh my time. god yeah 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 like Diggs. what happened the interception would not happen to Diggs like ever right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and every great like bizarre reception. A lot of times it takes some cooperation from the defensive back, like the Justin Jefferson catch last year doesn't happen unless the defensive back kind of helps the ball down a little more softly. Okay. Yeah. 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 And the the war in an attempt to swat it out. Yes. And ripping it away from Ward doesn't happen. If Ward doesn't kind of let that ball slip like across his chest, into Addison's hands. I mean, yeah, it took a little bit of help from yeah. the defensive back, but so assisting the receiver, which is not against the NFL rules, unlike assisting the runner, might be. It is not. Is that a tush push? Just, uh, shade being thrown? just not suggested. A little bit. A little not bit. exactly yeah, I mean, a we'll recommendation. See. Tush push. We'll not Kirk Cousins' forte. Well, boy. Okay, so a lot of these, a lot of these tush pushes. There's not a lot of tush pushing in a lot of them. Like a lot it's of them. Just QB sneaks to... is just they're yeah. just named that now, I guess. Well, so some some QB sneaks are so, like so. For example, they named the Brock Purdy one a tush push. It wasn't like there was no yeah. assisting the runner on that one. But like sometimes when there's tush pushing, it's basically just assisting the runner from behind is the idea. And a lot of them aren't physically pushing the quarterback's posterior. I'm trying to like we're we're on YouTube, right? The posterior of the quarterback, <laughs> right? Um, the derriere, right? Yeah. Whereas, whereas with the Eagles are not shy about that. The, the one of the players will just get right up in there, and the other one will pull the pads along with them. And a lot of them, a lot of a lot of NFL tush pushes that are not from the Eagles are just like, let's just grab the pads and kind of pull them along. And it's like, no, get in there, man. It's, it still so feels to me changes. like the Eagles. If you did ban the the push element of the tush push, the Eagles' success rate would not change. It feels like they can still just bowl you over like three yards I, back on yeah. every one yard. I, I would imagine it would change, but relatively marginally. We're talking about a change between ninety eight percent and ninety percent. Yeah, like yeah. So I looked at Jalen Hurts. <laughs> like they're just on, good at sneaks. Like on uh, yeah. over the last two seasons on conversions with one yard to go. 
Jalen Hurts is 48 of 54, and his average yards per attempt is 1.5. Let's go. Like, Barif's dead. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so stupid. Well, okay, so this is, this room, is the thing. Yeah. Um, I, I know we're, like, way off uh, our line right now, but, like, the, the thing is, like, and I was thinking this, like, two weeks ago, and Nick Sirianni just said it at his, at his post-game presser, the Eagles are playing with nine yard downs. That's how you have to think of it. And how is a defense you have to think of? You're not thinking that it's first and nine every time they line up, you're behind. Like hmm. some defenses have already said, like some defensive coordinators have already said, don't let them get there is the way to stop it. But like you need to formulate your defense around the idea that the sticks are nine yards yeah. away on first. The Eagles down. play on first and nine. Yeah. Hmm. Like that's, you just have to think of it that way. Ignore where the down marker is and just play it. Like if you're picket fencing, picket fence a yard sooner. If you're figuring out your landmarks, figure them out a yard earlier. Like that's how you have to design your defense against this team, which is a crazy advantage. It's like the dealer stays on 16 in blackjack. Like that is, yeah, just some BS advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it's wild. And Kirk Cut, like, there's a wave of momentum that hurts kind of rides. It's like he just kind of fluidly falls forward. And then when Kirk tries it, it it's just disjointed and he's well, upright I mean, and he's trying to lean and it doesn't. Well, so, so, so a lot of quarterbacks go too high. A lot of offensive lines don't have Landon Dickerson and Jason Kelsey. Those are really important elements. Uh, and a lot of quarterbacks can't leg press a car these are all i think really (laughs) unique advantages to the eagles (laughs) if it does get banned they're showing that purdy concussion play right over it yeah even though that's not a put that's a sneak that's not a correct yeah it's gonna be really dumb but like also Yeah. yeah probably you know pushing two guys heads into each other is probably not what the uh, league wants long term yeah, I can't, but here's the thing. I cannot think of a safety reason to get rid of the tush push that broadly doesn't also apply to quarterback sneaks. Um, there are a couple, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they would because like the leveraging stuff can increase the odds. Yeah, I, like, I, I think it's that the quarterback loses a little bit of control of his own momentum. You know, like, like if a you're quarterback push- sneak, they're in complete control. Yes. Well, it's because and they're right? going a lot. By, a lot of by times definition, they're going head first. They're going yeah. head first. Yeah, they're whereas, going head first, yeah. and they're driving themselves rather than being driven by someone else head first. A I, lot of times, a lot of times, quarterbacks will lose control of the momentum on a quarterback sneak. Are you talking about like dives, like just the, yeah, the like I mean, goal line dive across kind of? Yeah, deal? and and that's and that's when because a lot of them. I mean, they still do it on like fourth and one, but a lot of them occur near the goal line. Yeah. Because you only need to get the ball across. It's, you don't need to. There is a little bit of precedent for it um, in terms of what you aren't aren't allowed to do on field goal blocking. Like defenses mm-hmm. used to do that kind of thing to blow up the middle of, of a field goal yeah. blocking like on defense. And that has been banned. So whatever, if they are going to address this in a in an owner's meeting this offseason, that might be how things get modeled. Uh, we're going to step away and hear about uh, DoorDash, and then I'm going to tell you guys who the Vikings should acquire at the deadline. Stay with us. It's halftime at the game on Sunday, and you're hungry. 
naturally. It's like 130. Vikings are up 20 to 7 on the Packers at halftime. You're feeling good. You're feeling hungry, though. You've uh, you're famished. You need something fast. You got about 12 minutes until the third quarter starts. This is where you log into DoorDash, folks, and you order pizza, wings, soda, burgers, or just buns on DoorDash. Get it all delivered without missing the game. Get your favorite restaurant food. Get your favorite groceries. Get some chips and dip uh, for your next football watching party or tailgate. They are the best way to get a quick snack. Get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. That is LOCKED23, 50% off, $10 value when you spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. Uh, Seriously, folks, check it out. Join DoorDash today. Groceries, snacks, deliciousness when you want it. All right, you guys want to know my my trade target? I'm I'm off the seller bandwagon, and I'm on the buyer bandwagon. Winning solves everything, doesn't it? <laughs> it winning sounds like winning cures, creates new problems. It is the panacea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Winning destroys your draft position. They shouldn't have done well, it. Money, more problems. <laughs> now, this is what the Vikings are going to do. Could even be a boat. Uh-huh. They're going to acquire Josh Uchi from Uche? the Patriots. Uche. Okay. From the Patriots. Patriots Line love up. him. That's like one of the players they really like, actually. They they didn't like him enough to engage in extension talks, Arif. And the Patriots love dumping these pass rushers. And what better, instead of dumping, why not acquire? He's a pure pass rusher, 25, former second-round pick, a lot of tread left. Might just be a, a rental, but if it's just a rental, the price won't be ludicrous. Um, I would love this move. I would absolutely yeah, love like that him. move. Yeah. Um, sure. How much would he cost? What do you think? Sam, you're the one proposing it. <laughs> if if the Patriots are really not engaged in Uche, I would think that uh, probably late second round, early third round, plus some change or something like that. But no, okay. I don't know. I would have said a third. I like them. Um, Patriots aren't going anywhere. So you don't want you don't want Brian Burns? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about this. It seems like Burns would cost a little more. One hundred percent, he would cost more. Yeah, he's also a much blockbuster. I think Uche is a little more of that in between where he's not like an every down guy at this point. Um, and you might be able to to only spend I, a third. I'm just saying the Vikings do not have an edge rusher on contract in 2024 except for like pat jones which you know good for him we'll be in the last year of a deal <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> so you know i just look you trade for brian burns sign him to a long-term extension you know the davenport ankle is going to be a problem all year i feel like like that's two two ankle aggravations you might if you want to bolster that pass rush you're going to need some help and that's yeah, one one avenue or Josh Uche. Let's ask Ron Johnson of the uh, Ron Johnson show. He's at three Ron Johnson on X joins us every Thursday. Ron, I've just proposed that the Vikings go trade for a pass rusher. I'm saying Josh Uche. The Patriots doesn't have to be Josh Uche. 
What do you think about the Vikings getting some pass rushing help at the deadline? Uh, if, if it fits and if it works, yes. Because, I, I mean, I did hear you talk about the Marcus Davenport thing. Yes, I think that's going to be very problematic. Um, unfortunately, this is what a lot of people were worried about with Marcus Davenport. His whole career has been injury-ridden. And uh, this is just another kind of like saga of, you know, I mean, he's probably out four to six weeks. And, and at that point, do you put him on long-term IR and then go get somebody? And I think that's that's the key here is, you know, if if the Vikings win out, like I said, I think they can win the next six games. Um, is he healthy to come back? Or do you need to realize, like, hey, we might finish with 10 to 11 wins. We do need somebody to help us in the playoffs. When you think about all the playoff teams, quote-unquote, are going to have elite pass games, elite passers, and uh, guys are going to get, get guys are going. You're going to need to get up to the quarterback. The other part of this too, though, is which is funny you say that. I just saw another publication post that the Vikings should trade Daniel Hunter to the Ravens. So it's absolutely nuts out there right now in the trade world because people are just trying to like create stories. Um, if the Vikings were to trade Daniel Hunter, I'm pretty sure Halloween would be canceled, um, and people yes. would ask, would riot and dress up like Michael Jackson zombies and just stand in front of the Vikings facility. Uh, because that would become a graveyard now if they decide to do that. I don't think that's the way to go. You definitely need pass rushers. So going after one, if there's one out there and it doesn't hurt you long term, uh, I heard a reef bring up that there's no pass rushers under contract for 2024. Yeah, that's that's scary to even think about. Yeah, no, it it is. Um, Ron, let me ask you about Green Bay. Have you done any work on the Packers leading up to Sunday? And And obviously they're struggling. Is there anything about them that you know, the spirit of Halloween scares you or spooks you uh, going into Sunday's game. Yeah, I actually have. Uh, I'm doing a segment on Sunday on Vikings Game Day Live, uh, thanks to the Minnesota Vikings and Microsoft. Uh, we're, we're doing a segment called Ron's Review um, or Ron's Film Room. We haven't figured out which one we're going to go with or Ron's Film Review. Ah, but yeah, I've been watching. Uh, the, the one thing I'm focusing on Sunday is third downs. When you watch the Broncos game, uh, versus the Packers, the Packers on third and eight to 15, third and eight to 15, because third and 15 is doable. I hate when people put in not uh, eight to 99. It's like, cause you're throwing in third and twenties in there. You can't really count that against the defense. Uh, but third and eight to 15, the Packers are like one of the top seven defenses as far as getting off the field. The reason, if you watch, they play a ton of zone with a little bit of like sneaky rush and they can sit back in coverage. Well, when you put them in three to seven, they drop drastically and teams are, are, are getting first downs or touchdowns at a clip of 45%. So if you can get into seven even, because when you watch the third and sevens, I'm going to break down the film. I got five key plays, three from the uh, Lions and two from the Broncos. Um, Cortland Sutlin also, I mean, I don't know who's out there going to trade for him, but he's a monster. Russell Wilson just misses a lot of throws. I, I hate to say this, but uh, you watch Sutton one-on-one, -on -one, and of course he's going up against number 37, who probably shouldn't be playing, but we know they have guys on IR. We know guys that are hurt. Um, and so they attacked him on third down. Like they went after number 37 on third down. So did the Lions. Same trend. Uh, when, when Reynolds was out there, Josh Reynolds went after number 37 on third down. The one interception the Packers got was third and 11. Why? Because they were able to sit back and cover it. So yeah, when, when you look at their third downs, they give you a lot of like cover three man. Uh, and then the cover cover three, like a zone dog, they kind of bring that safety up to be a robber. The middle of the field, uh, they still can't figure out how to close it. The tight end Laporta was wide open, and then they got tricky. And the one, the first interception, I love what the Lions did. I'm going to break it down. The first interception, 
they were able to play coverage. He got they got uh Jared Goff to move his feet a little bit, and he threw a ball that probably should have been thrown. His eyes should have been to the left of the field. He came back on a third and three, knowing Savage wanted to rob him. He kind of like hesitated, looked at the the second follow route, and then follow up a Reynolds behind him on the deep over third and three. Now that's the key. It was man. They were hoping to get like a route to the sticks, and then the Lions said, you know, if you can give me one half of a second, give me a half a second. So I can hit this over route or uh, dig route behind the two follows. He had a shallow and then a follow route because Savage jumped it. And it's so funny too when you watch him complete that one. It's like it's like third and five or something, third and three. You see Savage right away like slam his hands to the ground like a little baby because he realized like like throwing a tantrum like oh I was there. You were supposed to throw this route. Why did you throw it? It's like dude because they know what you're trying to do. Like they saw this in the interception. <laughs> Incredible. Fool me like open receiver being like right. Come on. Throw my way. <laughs> and he like Good. literally jumped up in the air and slapped the ground with two hands. Like, what are you? You're a grown man. Like, you just got beat. You you guess wrong as a safety. And so my, my point to that is, yes, I watched it. What the Vikings are going to have to really do is they want to be in manageable third downs. Third and nine, third and eight. That's when the Packers feel like they can sit back a little bit and let the rush get to you because you have to run longer routes. Third and three to seven, for some reason, their, their defensive system is a little bit uh, panicky. Um, there's one third and three against the Broncos with Sutton. They put uh, and I and I'm 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 dr- I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Nixon. They put Nixon on. I think it was Nixon. No, who's number thirty-seven? Uh, Carrington Valentine. Carrington Valentine. So they put Valentine on Sutton on the go route. He beat him, and then they did it again on the slant, and he made him look like a like. I mean, he just turned him around like a top. And so, and there was a single high safety. The safety was probably 10 yards deep, which I still don't know why he's so deep on third and three. Um, but yeah, there's some things with this offense, or sorry, this uh, this this defense. And uh, the one reason, too, on, a, on another part of this, and I'm going to break it down Sunday, is the motion. When they motioned the Lions, it told Jared Goff the coverage right away. He knew his man coverage on one of them, which told him the middle of the field, open or close, it's still man underneath. So I'm going to the middle because if you drop down and you put us high safety, I still got the over route. If you keep two guys back, my over route turns into just basically an inside bender and I'm going to take it with man because your second defender, everybody's looking outside. So there are some fundamental things, but Kirk's going to have to be, as Luke would probably put on his chaos meter, um, I don't know if it's conserva Kirk or I don't know where, he, but he needs to be like lights out Kirk as far as understanding the coverage and the down and distance. The down and distance is going to really tell him what covers they're in. Nothing wrong with the game in the yellow on the chaos meter. <laughs> game manager Kirk, dish it out, be a point guard, get a dub. No shame in that. <laughs> Arif, what do you got? Um, yeah, I just kind of like Jordan Love just kind of generally, right? I felt like he started the season out Okay, I don't want to oversell it, but you can okay. say it. He was good early on. You could say <laughs> yeah. it. It's okay. And and these last couple of games uh have been uh you can somewhere say between it. You somewhere between it. alarming and catastrophic, you right? Can, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what what do you think has happened that has led to this relative decline in performance? And who do you think Jordan Love is? overall in the final analysis i don't know i think jordan love like realized peter bukowski was falling in love too much with him so he was like you know what let me in this relationship now um this is not where no um so again the, the the two games i've watched so far are the lions and the broncos and when you watch the broncos specifically um i i just i don't know i don't i feel like matt lafleur is almost like 
like thinking like, okay, this is Aaron Rodgers, but like, can you do what Aaron did? And he can't like, he's putting him in situations sometimes where he knows where the ball needs to go. He knows what the coverage is, but he's not giving them any help, any indicators. Uh, when you watch the San Francisco 49ers, San Francisco 49ers, and I don't know if you watch Peyton Manning's breakdown of it, they do a ton of crap before they even snap the oh, yeah. ball, but they do it to help out their young quarterback. Now, people can call him a game manager. Call him what you want. Brock Purdy's good, but they help him. Matt LaFleur is almost lining up like thinking, okay, you're Aaron. You do what Aaron would do. If you need to move the, the, the tight end over a little bit just to help yourself out, if you need to switch and then switch back, like do whatever you need to do, but that's not Jordan Love. So then when he comes to the line, and, and specifically looking at this, it was a go route. Comes to the line of scrimmage against the Broncos, clearly throw the go. He throws it at the back of the receiver, and the safety is like off. It's not off the hash yet. So it's like there's no reason to make a back shoulder throw. The safety's not going to affect this ball. Just let it drop into the basket. And I don't – so I know his arm is strong. Everybody said he has a strong arm. I don't know if he's overthinking it, trying to make the perfect throw, or if he just doesn't have it. And that's that's where they have to figure this out. Like, if you see it in practice, okay, great. What's what's going on in the games? But if he's not even doing it in practice because everybody's saying, oh, it looks like he's short-arming throws. looks like he's under-throwing guys. There's got to be something to it. So, or is there some hidden injury they haven't told everybody about in his rotator cuff or something? Because again, like there's all kinds of things out there. But I, I, I truly believe that early on he was good. People started to figure him out. Like, hey, let's just sit back for a minute. Don't give him any indicators, and then let him just snap the ball and then freak him out. And and that's what happens. You saw the Broncos do it, where they kind of just move the safeties at the last minute. And it's almost like he was like, wait, y'all aren't in cover two anymore. Well, go back to cover two. Go back to cover two. Like you know, like. <laughs> Like when Phoebe and Ross and everybody, alarm. when Phoebe and Ross saw uh, Monica and Chandler making out, like, don't do that. Don't go, go back. No, get off of her. Like, it's like literally he backs up and he sees it and you see him staring at the safeties like, okay, wait, they're not where they were a minute ago. Where do I go? Oh, let me just throw it here. And he, it's a bad throw or it's late. And so I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe the first, like you said, Arif, maybe the first couple of games, nobody had any film on him. So they just were like, let's see what he can do. And he did look like Aaron Rodgers on some throws. And now maybe the film is out and defensive coordinators are watching. And so that's why this game to me, and I hate to use this word, but it's sexy when you think about what Brian Flores might try to do to confuse Jordan Love. Because if you thought he confused Brock Purdy, oh my goodness, Jordan Love. Like I am like, this is a right. Like I'm thinking about the dude from the water boy in the, in the, uh, in the suspenders when he's sitting in the stands <laughs> and just, you know, like, <laughs> like when the moment finally hits, like it's, it's just sexy to think what Brian Flores might do to him, but it sucks that Marcus Davenport's not healthy because I, I am really like it's annoying because when you get a glimpse of it, you know, it's like, oh, man, this is the best restaurant ever. And then it goes out of business and it's like, all right, what the hell is going on here? So that's <laughs> that's a little bit of it. But, yeah, no, I think Jordan Love is good. I just think there's something either mentally off with him or uh, Matt LaFleur is not helping him out. Uh, Ron, you got. Four and three Gophers, winning record. Oh yeah, took one from Iowa. Yep, playing Michigan State. How are we feeling? Oh uh, well, Michigan State is a dumpster fire. Uh, they're yeah, just, they don't even want to put it out. They're just like, look, like just let us burn. Like Usher, let it burn. Like they're not even <laughs> trying to spin it. Like they're not putting any articles out. They're just like, let's sweep this up. Because, I mean, honestly, too, it looks like with the text messages now, this looks like it might be fraud. I mean, who knows what the heck is going on? 
and they're like, we got to pay this man now because we tried to get him not to pay him the 70 something million dollars. And now we probably owe it to him because he didn't do nothing wrong. Like there's just so much wrong with this. Uh, but with the Gophers and this is what's going to hurt when you look at the next five games, Ohio State is the tough one that probably isn't a win, but you never know in college football. That's why I love uh, what with, um, PJ Flex said that Jim Trestle told him, like in college football, you just never know. And Jim Trestle knows because we went there and kicked his butt in Ohio at Ohio State. Um, or I think we were the reason he got the job there. I think we got the other coach fired. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> so Cooper was the coach and we got him fired and then Trestle got the job. So Trestle's like, thank you, Ron, uh, for doing that to Nate Clemens. <laughs> you got me the job at Ohio State for a little bit. Uh, but when you look at uh, college football, it, if they win the next, if they win four out of five and go four and one down the stretch, that Northwestern game is going to haunt them because if they beat Northwestern and don't collapse, they're in the Big Ten championship game. And so that's what's so frustrating is because the, the one foul ups were Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Now you beat Iowa, you're like, oh, wow, that was the one we didn't even know if we could get. You probably can beat Wisconsin at home because they're running game by the end of the season. I think Braylon Allen is going to just rest for the NFL. And if you look at Ohio State, that's the one you knew you were going to lose anyway. You knew you were going to lose North Carolina, but it didn't matter. And then you're like, Northwestern? And so that's what's tough about this four and three team. They should be five and two, no question. And then you're looking at a, not to say an easy stretch, but a Purdue, Illinois, um, and then Michigan State. It's like, oh. Like the, these are the ones you should get. Ron, let me end with this. I asked this earlier in the show. I want to get your take. Would you rather take Stefan Diggs as a rookie or okay. Jordan Addison as a rookie? Oh, my goodness. That's tough. Ooh. You know, I got to go. I'm, I'm sorry, Addison. I know he's the guy now, but I go like if, if you think about Diggs, And so there's a the thing, though. Who's the offensive coordinator? That's the question. Is it Kevin O'Connell? Right, because, yeah, it was right. Norv Turner. It was Norv, and, and Norv did not like rookies, and Norv doing. was not, like, innovative. Uh, right. If we're putting them in KOC's offense, give me digs every day of the week. Uh, if we're putting them in Norv Turner's offense, I still got to go with digs, but it's probably a closer what, tie. What about John um, DeFilippo? Um, I think he should just leave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think he did. I think he's he's still in the XFL. Is he still and a New Orleans Breakers? No, yeah, like, yeah. so I'm not going to hate on Filippo. I actually liked him when I met him. Uh, here's the thing, because I did talk to him about the RPO. He can't run that with Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. Like, it, it doesn't work <laughs> with Kirk Cousins. It doesn't work with Sam Bradford. It doesn't work, like, it doesn't work with Case Keenum. Like, it doesn't work. Like, So we know what Diggs is, and I can deal with mm -hmm. his stuff. I actually talked to, to Diggs and people close to the organization. A lot of Diggs' issues that people did not know about was some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with management where he actually went to them about issues he had, uh, whether it be racial, whether it be age. Like, because he's young, they were treating him a certain way. And uh, a lot of them swept it under the rug. And then it blew up, and then everybody's like, oh, how do we protect this? How do we stop this? How do we make this better? It's too late. And it was time for him to go. So it was other stuff behind the scenes. Like I talked to some of the weight coaches and, you know, other players that are no longer here that are willing to talk about it. Uh, that's the thing. Same, same way. Uh, what's his name, Sam, when he told us about the boat story? Like when people leave, then they want to tell you all the truth. <laughs> yeah. When they're here, they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, it, no, it was a clean boat no. ride. Like when yeah. they leave, it's like, oh, yeah, we were pissing in people's bushes in Minnetonka. Like, <laughs> whoa. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Now we see why the dogs were barking. Like now the truth comes lawn. out. Yeah. Like what are you doing? Like yes, the cops are going to get called. I got a six six foot six three hundred pound dude pissing in my backyard. Uh, can you please get over here, officer? Because like I'm scared. He pulled his pee pee out. Like what are you doing? <laughs> So, <laughs> yep, yep, and with that, and with that, we say, listen to the roundtable tomorrow for more Ron Johnson, <laughs> Reggie Wilson, Julia Daniels, myself. Uh, maybe we'll bring this up again, Ron. We'll talk about salacious Vikings boat rides. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I'm scared he pulled his pee pee out. Is Vikings analysis? <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, that's fair. That's, yeah. that's on topic. Yep. That's why you just like, who was it? uh, Crowder Channing, I think the dude, the linebacker for the Dolphins that does the pivot, he just peed on himself. Like he said that. He said he would pee on himself in games. And then he, he oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like super weird. So you can either pull your pee pee out or you could just pee on yourself. So there's there's two options. There's two options. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Ron, we appreciate it. At three, Ron Johnson. Oh man. By the way, Luke, Luke, Ron, uh, I did want to point out we didn't talk about this. I thought you were going to bring it up. But you are dead on. Christian Derisaw is an alien with some of the things he can Dude, do. His footwork and his he's size. crazy. And so that's my other point to third down. Uh, I didn't get into that part, but just you know, one clear moment taken out, and you guys talked to Luke about this. Third down, Christian Derisaw is going to be key if you watch how the Packers rush. They do a lot of twists, and so he's going to have to do a lot of resetting because we might have one guy. And he's going to have to reset and get flexible and maybe help out with a second guy because they only send four to five. Like they don't really send the house a lot on third down. So Christian Derrissaw is going to be the key. If he had a bad game, I think the Packers might actually, it might be closer than we think. Yep. We'll be watching for that. And we'll be watching for you on uh, game day live Ron's film room review. How's that for a name? I like that one too. Film Ooh. room. Just put yeah, it all together. Yeah. Put it all together. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. We, we, we'll see. We just know it's Microsoft, and then we'll figure out what the, when they build it. This is the <laughs> this is the test week. Uh, but every every road game is going to be our goal to use the because we're in studio. So we're gonna. This is the first time we're doing it. So we'll see. Beautiful. We'll be watching. Thanks Appreciate a lot. Uh, we've got parlay picks to make, but first a word from some of our good partners. Let me tell you about FanDuel and the new promotion they've got going on. You hear us talking about FanDuel every single week, and you can get into the action with a simple $5 wager. Win or lose, they are going to add $200 to your account in bonus bets. Bet five, get 200, boom. Now you've got some money to play with. You can put that on the lines, the over-unders, the prop bets, the futures, the alternate lines, first touchdown scorers, player props. I could go on and on and on because there are dozens of ways to wager on the NFL at FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Very easy to use. Or go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get started today. All it takes is a $5 wager to get 200 deposited and you can start having some fun and making the moment more. It's FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're also presented today by Jace Medical, a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You don't want to be caught off guard in this life. There's too much going on. Our brains are scrambled. We're thinking about a million different things. You want to have peace of mind. Take this off your plate. Consult with Jace's experts. 
get your Jace case. That's five life-saving antibiotics that are essential to your health in that case for the most common uh, and deadly bacterial infections. Get uh, gift cards so your family and friends can get these around the holidays. What better gift to give than a life-saving Jace case? JaceMedical.com, enter code Locked On at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code Locked On, one word, Locked On at JASEMedical.com. Give yourself peace of mind. Don't get caught unprepared. I am triggering my advantage. I earned this advantage because of our preseason fantasy football contest. Now, my advantage is that I get to double my winnings or have my losses. I also get to punish the loser of the uh, fantasy contest. That's Arif. I get to double his losses or have his winnings. So that's what's at stake this week in the parlays. Arif is our leader. I am losing so what better uh, what better time than to break out the advantage? Luke Braun, you start. Uh, I will take an opportunity to short the Titans at most junctures, especially when Ryan Tannehill's status for the game is in question. This might be uh, Mayo coffee time. It's They're having a full-on fire sale. They're packing it in. I think that the... Uh, Titans are going to have trouble getting up for this one, and they are only two and a half point underdogs to the Atlanta Falcons. They are at home, but I'm taking Falcons minus 2.5 at minus 122. Market's hammering that one. Falcons minus 2.5. Uh, that puts it on me. I, I don't think that PJ Walker goes into Seattle and wins. I think Seattle. Minus 3.5 is my favorite bet of the week, and I'm going to go with that. That goes to Luke Inman, who texted me his picks. He wants Puka Nakua over 6.5 receptions. Puka over 6.5 receptions. And now, Arif, you pick twice. All right. Um, I'm going to homer this one, then. Why not? I wanted to take Jacksonville. I don't want to take that away from Luke, so I'll leave that one alone. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good friend. Make uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm really tempted by another one, but I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings minus 1.5. I just feel like they're a better team than the Packers, and a 1.5 is basically a pick em. Obviously, I'm going to get screwed when they win by one point. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to take that. Uh, and then on the bounce back, I might as well activate a same game parlay. Might as well. So I'm going to take the Kirk Cousins over 258 and a half. No, screw that. Actually, I don't want that. I want Jordan Love under 219 and a half. Uh, he has had a number of games below 200 yards. I agree with Ron Johnson's colorful analysis <laughs> of the way that Jordan Love approaches confusing looks the vikings specialize in confusing looks so i'm taking the jordan love under there so let me calculate or i'll let them calculate it uh let me put it all together inside the app uh it is plus 263 the minimum is 80 right yeah so 80 dollars plus 263 to win 210.99 which which would turn into 105 uh 0.495 we would round up though we would give you oh, the extra half cent. Oh, thank yep. you. Um, 
Luke Inman with his second pick. He goes Falcons Titans under 35 and a half. Falcons All right. Titans under 35 and a half. It is plus 260. So if you wanted to do the minimum, that'd be 80. If you wanted to be a little bit more Luke Braunish, be like 160. Or Luke Inmanish, sorry. Yeah. Why don't we go? He's got an even 800 right now. Let's go one. Let's go 150. Right. At plus 260, you said, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Second pick for me, I'm going to also homer it. I'm going to go Cousins over 1.5 TV passes. I'm going to go 300 big ones this week is my biggest bet yet and it is plus 230 so that is to win 692 doubled to 1384.62 potentially big week got it after missing out on a very close huge win he chases his losses which is what all gamblers should do it it is the smart advised way to approach this absolutely um, I'm going to take a weird alternate total in uh, the Saints Colts game. That feels like it's going to be a disaster. Uh, the Saints Thursday night <clears throat> uh, offense was a disaster. And I, as well as Gardner Minshew and the Colts played against the Browns, I don't know if they have another one like that in them. I'm kind of feeling like a letdown is about to hit Indy. So yep. I'm going to take a uh, more aggressive total. I'm going to go under 39.5, which is at plus 154. That combines for a plus 362 parlay, and I'll put an even $100 on it. You got it. Bets are locked in. Can't be changed. And the advantage has been triggered. Huge swing possibly this week between Arif and myself. Uh, Can't wait to see it play out. Thank you for watching on Locked on Sports Minnesota. Please subscribe and our everydayers. Also, who listen on the Locked on Vikings audio feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for that. And find us, of course, on the 24-7 YouTube stream on Locked on Sports Minnesota. He's Arif. He's Luke Braun. Thanks to Ron Johnson as well. And I'm Sam Ekstrom. We'll talk to you Monday on the Minnesota Football Party.